Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey everyone, Katie and I just wanted to pop on here quick and first off just say thank you so much for supporting us and listening to us. If you're listening on Spotify, please make sure that you're following us. You can do that by going to our show page and hitting the green follow button. That way our new episodes will always show up on your homepage so you never miss a new episode. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please make sure that you're subscribed over there and while you're there, leave us a rating and review. And you can also check out all of our episodes on our YouTube channel and you can also catch our exclusive video only pre show there. Make sure that you're subscribed to that channel and that you hit the notification bell so you get notified whenever new episodes go up every single week. Thank you guys again so much for supporting Popcorn Chats and Katie and I. We appreciate each and every one of you more than you know. Buckle up because it's gonna be (laughs) a long ride. It's gonna be a wild ride. (laughs) No one cares but we're gonna tell you anyways. This is Popcorn Chats. Right. We okay. each get to intro our own shows. How fun. Cute. Cute. That makes sense. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Popcorn Chats. I'm Katie. And I'm McKay. And this week, we are back with another TV show. Last week, we did Michaela's exciting time, her moment with Shadow and Bone, seeing her one of her favorite books, or not favorite, but a book, a book series, series that, that she like. likes, turned into an on-screen adaptation. And this week, we are witnessing the triumphant return of almost two years in the making of one of my favorite shows of all time, The Handmaid's Tale. Bitch, we're gonna get into it. I'm so excited. I love this show. I'm so happy with these first three episodes and I can't wait to talk about them. We thought that it was just gonna be one and then it ended up being three because we're just never in the know. No, we are always the last to know. I don't know if it's us or just like the people promoting this. I think it's the people promoting it because it's, there was nothing anywhere about it being like first three episodes of Handmaid's Tale. I feel like you would have had to seek that information out, which Mm -hmm. we didn't, we we just heard that it was coming back April 28th. So we were like, bet we'll be there. But they weren't like three episodes, (laughs) they just said returning. So we just assumed, and we're too busy. We're booked and busy. We don't really have time to be like, what's the deal? And I just assumed, wrongfully, that it would just be one episode. But okay, that's neither here nor there. I'm just trying to say in this roundabout, over-explanatory way that I always do, that Michaela did not have time to watch all three. I did because I am unemployed. You're employed. You just don't have a regular set schedule. Right. Yeah, I got a little more free time on my hands over here, so. Eeties, what eeties. Should we check in? I feel like we haven't checked in in, like, two episodes because we didn't check in when... I don't think we did for Shadow and Bone. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm a little burned out right now, which is, you know, whatever. Um, It's almost the weekend, and I'm just excited. I was planning to just have, like, a very restful weekend, and I was going to binge watch this one movie series that I've been, like, waiting waiting to get around to watching. And then my brother let us know that he and my nephew were going to be coming in this weekend because his fiance, my future sister-in-law, she is finishing up her MBA. So she has a final this weekend. So they're coming, which is fun, but not what I was thinking for my weekend. That'll be busy, but fun. Like I haven't had that much going on lately. I mean, I pretty much work and oh my God, I'm 
fingers crossed guys that when you were listening to this episode on Monday, I have like a deposit down on kittens, like fingers crossed the foster place, the kitten rescue place that I have an application approved for. They posted a litter last weekend and I have been like obsessively checking their website because they're like, we have 80 kittens in foster care and we're like just waiting to post them until they're old enough and blah, blah, blah. So they posted a litter last weekend and I had checked Friday at like three o'clock when Katie and I were together. And then I checked one last time at eight o'clock that night and there were four kittens posted and I emailed right away, but I was too late. So that's fine. But I talked to the adoption coordinator and she said that they were posting three more litters this weekend. And that if I emailed her some different choices, because obviously there are a lot of people trying to adopt these cats, that if I email her a few choices, especially since I want a pair, that she will get me a pair. So I'm really hoping that Yay. I can get some. I'm really hoping for brothers. I want two boys, but I'm also open to taking a boy and a girl. So I have some name ideas and I just want to like... I just want kittens. I just want mm -hmm. pets in my household. So fingers crossed. Yay. That's so exciting. You're going to be a mother. I hope so. I really And I'm going to so. be an aunt, Auntie. which has been my dream, honestly, since day one. It's I've annoying. always wanted to be an aunt. Mm -hmm. It's fun. Like with Elliot, I can like spend the day with him, have fun. But then like when it comes time to do like all the responsibility stuff, it's like, mm -hmm. see ya. You want to play? Sure. But do I want to change his diaper? No. And also, he doesn't like when I do that because I'm not fast at it. So he gets restless. Yeah, it's like renting a child, like how you rent a movie or a bouncy house. But it's not like you have to maintain a bouncy house in your backyard. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Love that analogy. Children, bouncy houses. Really, what are the differences here, people? I see none. Katie, how have you been? Um, I've been good. Just chilling like a villain. I'm starting a revolution at my place of work because I work at a part-time job that does not treat its employees very well, like most service industry jobs. Um, and I pretty much start like a socialist movement every other week there. So yeah, that's just what my vibe, that's what I do. Um, also, I spy with my little eye right behind you. I see Timmy. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so excited. I'm going to design that whole little nook over there around that pillow. If you're I'm on so the, glad. If you're watching on YouTube, Michaela blessed me with this amazing sequence Timothy Chalamet pillow. This room, this office is like our last room to complete. And you guys can't see, but like my little corner is super cute. Got like my little wall set up and everything. But then I'm going to design something over there, like a little reading nook and figure out this bookshelf situation. I might paint it or sand it down or do something and Timmy is definitely going to be the centerpiece I'm so obsessed with him I don't know what it is but I think that viral TikTok came out around this time last year with that playdate song or playmate playdate whatever with him slow dance like the slow motion of it you guys know what I'm talking about the yeah. blue shirt the fucking hair like it's very overwhelming for Katie <laughs> it's really it really is I went back and I found it and then I just went down a rabbit hole of Timmy TikTok and I sent them all to Michaela because I just need somebody to be my like springboard my you know for the for this because it's hard when you're like obsessed and in love with somebody that you don't know and that you'll mm -hmm. probably never know like it really is hard 
And I totally relate to that. It's just like an actual struggle and you need to verbalize it because otherwise you're just internalizing it and it's sad. It's hard. It's, you know, if you struggle with it, I relate to you. And if you don't and you think I'm a fucking crackhead, that's also fine. How you are down the Timmy rabbit hole again? I am so far deep down the Freddie Carter rabbit hole. He plays Kaz Brucker and Shadow and Bone, and I just, mm. like, I can't get out of it. Like, I just can't. And now I'm like, if I need to add more pictures up onto that wall, I'm printing one of him because I'm just in deep. There's just something about him. Um, Should we jump into talking about something that people care about? <laughs> sure. You all should care about Timmy because he is... A blessed human. Anyways. Um, He's really a bright spot for Katie. He is. First of all, we'll start this episode with a spoiler alert. All of our episodes obviously contain spoilers, but and we don't always do a spoiler alert, but I figured since the show is so fresh be warned that we will be discussing all three of the episodes yep so spoiler alert if you haven't seen up until the most recent episode of season four episode three yes this has been a long anticipated tv show coming back currently i'm only in the midst of a couple tv shows it's hard to keep track at this point because literally some of these shows have been off the air for almost two years now and handmaid's tale has been a show that i I've been following and watching for a long time now. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is in production and should be the newest season, should be coming soon. I'm guessing this summer. That's another one that's been off there for so long that I keep up with. Dead to Me is another one that I enjoy and has been, again, off for a while. I'm pretty sure that's it. But again, it's like really hard to keep track because Mm -hmm. like nothing has been coming out with new seasons. I was nervous for this season to come back for several reasons. One, I wasn't thrilled with season three. I felt like they... Because I kind of... stopped liking June a little bit or I was just kind of like annoyed with her because she she did choose to stay in Gilead twice. The first time was very moving for me and I believed it when she sent Emily off with Nicole. Um, I think I talked about it in our favorite TV scenes episode. Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't like that and then June chooses to stay in Gilead again to distract the guards uh, with the plane taking off, which again I understood, but it just kind of felt like June is choosing to stay in Gilead and And it annoyed me, but Luke did address that in these three episodes. I forget which one it was. Yeah, it was the third episode that he was like, she's choosing to stay there because they were having like a vigil for her or something. He's like, I'm not going to pray for something that she doesn't want herself. And I was like, damn, go off. Is it because of her daughter being there still? Like, is that why she's still I mean I know there's a resistance there and that she feels that pull and obviously she has a daughter there like does her so Luke you said addressed that did he seem like angry about it or was he understanding so Luke is just uh the picture of helplessness like he is doing everything that he can you know he's taking care of this child that is not his kind of finishing what June started with getting these kids out of Gilead. Now he's trying to place them in homes. But at the end of the day, you know, his wife and child, that is actually his child, are stuck in Gilead. And June has had, he knows that June has had two chances to get out of Gilead and she has foregone both of them. So I think he's frustrated, but also like proud of her and under like trying to be understanding. But yeah, I think he was angry 
and just didn't feel like attending the vigil because again, it doesn't seem like June wants to leave Gilead. So I think June, at least the first time for sure, she wanted to stay for Hannah. And I do believe that that is still something that she wants to, she wants to leave Gilead with Hannah because that has been her goal mm-hmm. from the first, from the pilot, you know, is to get out of here with her daughter. June has changed a lot as a character because she's in this leadership position now with this resistance and this Mayday network or whatever. She wants revenge too. I think she wants to see the commanders and everybody involved with Gilead. She wants to see them suffer. Mm -hmm. And I think things are getting a little bit blurry at this point. I don't think, obviously June is not the same June from the pilot. She's very different because trauma does that to people and nobody in the show is unaffected by the trauma of Gilead. I have a note in here that's like, pretty much everybody is mentally ill. Like, you can see it. Everybody is not well, really. And it would be unrealistic to have anybody. I was going to say, how could you be? Be you know, if stable you were stable, then maybe there's something more wrong with you than anyone else. Things are getting a little bit gray in terms of her motivations. I think she has a lot of motivations and a lot of feelings and a lot of things that she wants Um, And I don't think that escaping with Hannah is taking a back seat, but I think other things are just also important important to her. Yeah. You didn't see this, but she does see Hannah again. She's seen her a couple times and each time Hannah is like more and more removed from her. Hannah and June have seen each other a couple times and each time Hannah sees her less and less like her mother, you know, and Mm. this time in season four when June sees Hannah again Hannah is afraid of her and she's not afraid of like the guards that are literally imprisoning Hannah where she is um she's afraid of June and she's older she's so much older like it's been years in Gilead like formative years so she you know does not view June as her mom anymore and then you see that with the other kids that June uh the 86 kids that went on that plane and that she got out of Gilead some of them don't want to be in Canada. They want to go back to their parents, I say in quotes, the people that they think are their parents because that's all, that those are the only parents they can remember because it's been years again. So I'm, I'm definitely getting ahead of myself. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah. June was getting a little bit annoying for me in season three and I just didn't, the, the show needed to breathe and it needed, we've had two chances now to get out of Gilead And at some point, it's like, is this going to be a Walking Dead situation where it's just like repeating and repeating and repeating and she has a chance and then she doesn't take it and she has a chance she doesn't take it. Like, you can only do that so many times. That makes me think of Lost because like the first, I think like two whole seasons is on the island, but obviously they're constantly looking for a way off. And then there's like a plan and then something happens and then there's like a plan and something happens and eventually they had to get off the island and like you had to make that change and switch it up plot wise. And by the time that they did, it was like, oh, thank God, like we're moving. But then we ended up back on the island, but it felt refreshing to be back there after we had left for a bit that maybe they need to do that where it's like June needs to leave for a bit and then somehow she goes back in, you know, just to give it like a fresh feel. Yeah. Just something needed to happen. And I think they realized that and things are now moving in the right direction, but I was worried about that. I also wasn't sure if I was in the mood 
for dark and hopeless themes that this show tends to carry. Again, just like with what we've been talking about with the Oscars, it's just people don't read the room and it's like, bro, I don't need this right now. I was talking to Jack about this actually because I was like, why do I not feel that way about this? You know, I I didn't feel like brought down by this at all. I was so like happy and giddy the whole time watching it. And I think it's because I've fallen in love with these characters, you know, especially the, the handmaids that are kind of at the center of these first three episodes. I loved them before the pandemic and I knew them before the pandemic. So to see them again, it was kind of like seeing people for the first time after quarantine, which is weird, mm-hmm. but it's like in this world, even though it's a horrible world that Gilead is but it's untouched by the pandemic it's the same and it's kind of like returning to something familiar and like you know we're finally things are finally opening up and we're getting back to normal and it it, I think that's why I felt so giddy and so happy I was like my one of my favorite things is back you know Mm -hmm. so I think that's why it wasn't like super depressing for me the themes in this are depressing and a lot of what happens is depressing. Yeah, America is so different now than it was when this show started. I think this is a perfect Trump's America show. And that's when it started. And, you know, I just, everybody was like, this is where we're headed and all this stuff. You know, it is a bit, it makes so much commentary on, you know, this show came out around the same time as like the rise of the Me Too movement. And it just was so um, resonant of like what was going on. And it still is, but it's just cool to, I guess, return to this world and these characters that I love so much. And I was worried about the amount of time that there's been in between these seasons because the last episode of season three came out in August of 2019. Did you pick up right where you left off? Like, did you remember everything or did you need a recap? I definitely appreciated the recap at the beginning. I thought it was good. And, And there's a new recap at the beginning of each of these three episodes and they've all been helpful and I feel like I'm right back in it so I feel like they needed that for having that much time off you know and I wonder if you know if we didn't have this much time for them to really think about it and flesh out these characters um if it would be the same show I don't know if that's the case but I'm just based off of these three episodes I'm very excited to see where this season goes and I'm just glad that what's happening is happening if that makes Mm -hmm. sense I was worried uh, towards the end of last season I was like is this the end of this show and I didn't want it to be because it's such a good show. First thing that I noticed about this show way back when I started watching it was the cinematography. And again, just like right out of the gate, it's beautiful. It's such a well done visually. It's such a well done show. And mm-hmm. it's stunning and beautiful to look at. But again, in season three, I just got a little annoyed with all the slow motion and all of the close-ups of June's face and her expressions and everything. And it got a little bit too much um, at mm-hmm. towards the end of season three. I don't know if I'm explaining that very well. They went back to the, the balance that they had in the first two seasons that I really liked. So cinematography, great. I was thinking that in that episode, I'm like, this is really pretty. And did you not get Purge vibes mm-hmm. from that like little slow motion dancing moment? Yeah. I was like, they literally look like the Purge in the first movie. I'm thinking like when those Purgers come to the house and they're like dancing around in the yard in their white gowns. Like that's what this yeah. reminded me of. I was really scared that something was going to happen. Like I thought that they were like Janine dancing like that. I thought she was just about to get shot like to death. That was a total misdirect because I felt the same way I'm like I feel like something's about to happen someone's about to bust in here 
and take them or shoot them or something. Like, I was just waiting for the shoe to drop, and then it didn't. I was like, okay. I feel like I don't completely understand June as a character. She's really hard to read at this point, and she's kind of unpredictable, which makes her so fun to watch. I Part of me is just worried, like, in that moment when she was looking at her friends dancing and stuff. I know she loves and cares for her friends and everything, but I wonder if on some level she's like, without Gilead, I'm not me anymore like Mm. I don't get to be this leader anymore it's almost like how you and I have kind of talked about before that when we aren't anxious or like when I'm not in a depressive episode I almost feel like I'm not myself in a way because it's just become like an odd comfort in a way even though it's like very uncomfortable it is just like a very familiar place that if I, I remember like when I used to be on medication and I was good, then I was almost like, like I yeah. didn't recognize myself a bit. And yeah. it's kind of weird to get used to, even though it's like a good positive change, it is still kind of like, huh, you get used to your circumstances. Maybe that's how June is. I mean, she's obviously not used to it. She's actively fighting back, but I get what you're saying here that maybe without this, what is she? And I think her friends are different than her because obviously they don't want to be raped anymore. And June doesn't want to be either. And they've obviously changed, but June has just taken on this role of a leader that she's really never, you know, she's never been in this role before. She is literally leading a revolution and she kind of just tripped into this this role and this duty that she has i wonder if that was maybe what she was thinking when she was watching her friends dance like that like oh i don't know it's hard to say i don't i don't know if that was the case but i i can't really pin down june at this point but did you ever see trial of the chicago seven not yet So in that, um, there's, like, multiple different, like, protest leaders about the Vietnam War, and one of them is, like, the hippie guy, and the other one is, like, the, I don't know, like, college-educated guy, I guess. That's not really a good way to explain that, but I don't want to spend too much time on this, so I'm just going to explain it that way. And the college-educated guy, played by Eddie Redmayne, is, like, to the hippie guy, he's like, you don't want the Vietnam War to end, because if it does, then you don't get to be you anymore, you know, and have all these people following you. I wonder if that is a little bit in June's mind at all. I don't know if it is. I feel weird saying that because I don't want that to be true. One of the main things I want to talk about is gray area, which we love on this pod. We love we good love gray. We love the gray. If it's not morally gray, I don't want it. And also with a world like this, black and white, she's gone. Yeah. Um, I just want to shout out, say a little prayer, the song at the beginning. Oh, my sister please. and I were freaking out over that. <laughs> Oh my god, what tweet I saw on Twitter that you and Aaron had both liked. And I was like, this is a collective childhood experience. It was like, how old were you when Guitar Hero first booed you when you were trying your best? But so true. That really, they really did something. (laughs) They kept my ego in in check as a child. That was straight trauma. (laughs) Straight trauma. And then when you fail and the whole band is like, oh. Yeah, what the hell, man? You fucking suck. And then your character is just like... 
and everybody's leaving the venue like get out that was oh, that was that was also like really strenuous because we would get mad about that too we would oh i want to play guitar Wars. hero anyways i digress sorry <laughs> um this was another thing that i was talking to jack about earlier but i think the theme of the handmaids sticking together no matter what is like my favorite part of this whole show mm. and we've talked about before how like if you want to get me like if you are making a film specifically for Katie you gotta have women just being women and working together and like I don't know what it is but I can't get a fuck enough of that shit I love it so much and I was like why is that you know talking to Jack and I was like whenever that happens on screen I'm just like I feel this euphoric feeling I you know it's so simple just mm-hmm. women like interacting what <laughs> In life, in real life, in reality, that is so prevalent. I think women just have this unspoken bond, you know, Mm -hmm. whenever you're in a room with another woman, it's just like, you know, not every time, but for the most part, you just have that, like, that shared experience, that sense of, like, women, you know, and we stick together and we work together and we understand each other on another level that like men don't necessarily understand us on. That feeling is just so prevalent in my everyday life. I'll just speak for myself. But we rarely see it on screen for some reason. You know, it's not something that is often captured probably because most on-screen stuff is made by men and they don't know how to, uh, portray women. God, when I see it on screen, I'm just like, yes, like that is what it's like. And I just, I love seeing them all work together and just be there for each other. And the fact that at the end of season three, like they are all the ones probably having the worst go of it in Gilead. Like they're the ones getting raped on the reg, like beaten all the time. Their kids are taken away from them. They got it bad. They put all those kids on the plane and they could have all gotten out too. But they all stayed behind to make sure that the kids and the Marthas got out. Like, are you kidding me? A man could never. A group of men could never. That's all I gotta say. Just the way that they, like, look at each other. I don't know how to describe it. I sound so batshit crazy. I'm so sorry. No, you don't. It's It's because it's such a rarity for us to have Mm -hmm. moments like that and to have them well done. And it's so well captured in this, like the way they look at each other, that true like friendship love and how they're there for each other. Like they're all each other has. And for so long, you know, they didn't even know if they could trust each other, but now they've learned, they've gotten to the point where they can communicate without even speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, I love, um, you didn't see this, but in episode three, when they're all riding in the truck together and they just, you can see it in their eyes. They're all speaking without even speaking. It's so cool. And how they're, like, comforting each other when they're in the truck and, like, holding each other's hands when the guy, like, gets on the truck. I just love moments like that where they're just, you know, they ride or motherfucking die for each other. I just love that. I don't want to call it a trope. I guess I would maybe call it a trope. Those, like, ride or die crews. You know, it doesn't... I mean, in this case, it's all women, which makes it even more epic. But I'm just thinking, you know, like, where there are just... There are, like, on-screen friendships or on-screen duos that are great. But there are, like, very few, I feel like, that are just absolutely ride or fucking die. And that Mm -hmm. is so compelling to watch on screen. And it just will forever be one of my faves. I get what you mean that this has that. And it's even more heartbreaking to see that they all sacrificed themselves for June obviously but also for to get those kids out and Mm -hmm. they they all stayed behind and then to see these kids being ungrateful ass motherfuckers and being like I want to go back um which obviously 
understandable whatever kids i was gonna say they have their own trauma to work through as they get older but in the moment it's like okay literally stop it's just it's hard to see that because it's like well because that was you know what happened for you to get here that was me halfway through episode one i snapchatted you and i was like what is this teenage bitch ass's problem and i was like she sucks and then her and June sat down in the barn, and then I was like, Katie, I take that back. Because I'm like, yeah. this girl has been through some absolute horrors. And she's a literal teenager, so you can't judge mm-hmm. a teenage character by acting immaturely because they're yeah. teenagers. Yeah, she's definitely got some rough shit going on. That child is an amazing actress, though. Go off. Yeah, she looked familiar. Did you think she looked familiar? Yeah. I'm going to look her up while we keep talking. I feel like she's that one girl from, uh, she's like a savant in a movie or something. What's a savant? She's like a really smart person. Oh my gosh, she's in Gifted, isn't she? With Chris Evans and Octavia Spencer. That's what I was talking about. That's what I was talking about. Got it. We didn't even need to look it up. See, all it takes is you and I. We got there. We We got there. Katie, we are just an iconic duo. We really are. I think, you know what? Uh, we're two halves of a brain. And we really are. Together and we're a semi-smart individual. Yeah. You know what I was thinking when I was driving home? I don't know why I was thinking about this on my way home from picking up my dog from daycare, but I was just like, I was thinking about our friend group and I was just like, you know, I don't feel like I tell Katie enough that she's my best friend. <laughs> Aww. But you are. Best friend. <laughs> <laughs> You're mine. Anyways. <laughs> back to handmaid uh where were we um we were talking about the children yeah the children and mrs keys i again just another the kid the child okay okay yeah she's kind of interesting again like not necessarily all good and not all bad but also like who would be all good at this point in this you know she didn't have guidance like this is literally the picture of a child that had to raise themselves in an environment where she was being raped and abused and you know didn't have anybody her own age around and like she's being treated like a wife but also like a child it's just obviously she's gonna be mentally unstable when her first words to june were i have thought about killing them with you Mm -hmm. i was like okay um i know (laughs) i was a little bit annoyed i well that like i wasn't annoyed but i was scared because i was like are we gonna be like in another weird ass cult or like another weird ass like farm place i'm just glad they do get off the farm pretty quickly so i'm sort of glad about that because although i do find mrs keys intriguing and i wouldn't be upset if she came back later in the season i didn't want to spend a whole lot of time with her and i think also seeing the commander and serena in a different position now is also refreshing and the fact that they are kind of being forced to drop this stupid act that they've had going on and they both acknowledge that Nicole is like not their blood child but they are also under the delusion that she is theirs and she belongs to them and it's very interesting to see the delusion and see how tightly Gilead has a grip on them and their belief systems as humans like they're told that 86 children were taken from Gilead. They, uh, The commander says this will start a war. And it's kind of funny because they're like, they're like, the kids should be returned. 
home and the guy from Canada is like they are going home like they're being reunited with their parents they're in shock it's literally like if somebody came and took people's kids you know like they they genuinely believe that like Mm -hmm. those are those people's kids and they came and took them from them like they rightfully deserved those kids and like certain things about Fred and Serena was an act and like them maintaining kind of this facade in order to get what they both wanted Mm -hmm. you know that being that Nicole was Fred's daughter like biological daughter they've kind of dropped that facade but but that gives us a chance to see their real delusion and that the the fact that they really do believe this stuff and they genuinely are mourning the loss of not their daughter but somebody that they consider to be their daughter and they consider to be theirs and they're mourning for their community losing 86 of children that they consider to be like their children (laughs) Just going back to that, like, morally gray thing. Obviously, on the surface level, it's like, these are evil, evil people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Clearly, especially Fred, you know, and Serena. Serena has, like, literally allowed a woman to be raped by her husband. Like, they're both just awful. But then still, it's like, damn. They're fascinating because, as horrible as they are, to see a character, like, so deeply believe in something... You can't help but be intrigued by that because you're like, if you are so in on this, like, and so in on your bullshit, I think that's why a lot of villains are sometimes more dynamic than heroes because they literally, like, hold on to their shit. They're like, this is all that I, this is either all that I know or this is, like, my life's purpose to do this or have this, like, reign of power. I remember one of the recaps that I was watching, so granted, I could be, like, far off on this, but that um, Serena was, like, an outspoken activist for Gilead and, like, Mm -hmm. for this establishment being put into place that it's like when you see that she's like been in deep since she was the start, it's like, okay, well, you know, at least you stuck to your guns. Like not saying that I agree with it, but at least you stick to what you believe in. She wrote a book about basically how women should serve their husbands. And um, that was kind of like the philosophy within the like Gilead church or whatever that they were a part of that eventually like had those terrorist attacks and took over America. So that like kind of was embedded in the manifesto of Gilead. Interesting. So they used a woman's writing, but shunned all the women. Yeah. So then that's where things get, got interesting with Serena's character, but like it wasn't like Serena created the religion or like Mm -hmm. the, the cult itself but like the whole like women woman's role was kind of like she wrote about that and made it pop more popular and like they got more followers based on her writing because of that but then women aren't allowed to read and then when they have a daughter uh serena wanting uh girls in gilead to learn how to read and then fred chops off her finger so i yes I was like, that's excessive. Um, I have a clarifying question. We can cut this out if it has nothing to do with the episode. But, okay, so was Fred infertile? Is that why he never got June pregnant? In season three, I believe it was the guy that's, like, working with them in the prison or whatever, the 
Canada guy, he tells Serena, basically. She's, like, doing visits with Nicole and, like, cooperating with the, yeah, the Canadian government and kind of just um, trying to spend time with her daughter. They're trying to get information out of her, whatever. He says that, based on our research, it's the men that are infertile, not the women. So Serena, too, has had okay. many opportunities to get out and to um, turn and on Fred. And that was one of the things that I was also frustrated with. Even in this episode, I was like, why does she still defend this man to this day? He has done so many horrible things. He's cut her literal finger off. <laughs> like, he is the worst. And she says, like, I knew him before Gilead. I just feel like... That doesn't mean right. you still that need to be with him. People know yeah. serial killers before they kill people. <laughs> like... Yeah. The writing of that moment, because in episode two, Rita says that she's, like, speaking to a group of fundraisers about the children that June sent um, to Canada. And she says that Gilead has a way of bringing out the worst in people. And then later, we hear Serena say that she still believes in Fred because she knew him before Gilead. And I was like, and Gilead brings out the worst in people. And I was like, oh, that's so, like, this, this thing that I've been struggling with with Serena's character. The writing uh, in that moment... It really helped me understand her better, which obviously still I think Fred is a piece of shit, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, she wants this life and um, this man and everything. And that's why she keeps returning to him because she loved him before all this shit went down. Also other just world building kind of question. So once the handmaid gets pregnant and has a baby, do they stay with that family and keep giving them more babies or do they get assigned to another family? It depends because sometimes they don't want more kids or they just want one or they'll go to a different family who who hasn't been successful having a kid. So then Serena, since June was not getting pregnant, she had Nick and her do the deed. And so Nicole is their child. I do just want to say one last thing about episode one. When she collapses, when the guy at the farm is like you're safe and she collapses that was such a satisfying moment because it's been such a long time coming and like june is finally Mm -hmm. safe and out of gilead and just Mm -hmm. to hear those words it's like thank goodness and it's a bold choice too in episode one to be like yeah she's safe now it's like well then where are we going from here but clearly they also like set it up for there to be so much more but it was like such a satisfying moment even though June's motivation is kind of hard to pin down at this point that gave us kind of insight to her freedom does still mean a lot to her and it's ultimately what she wants it's just secondary to justice obviously and also freeing her daughter Hannah so I thought that he was gonna be bad I don't know why again I was just thinking that they were falling into some sort of trap and then he was like I heard there were others and then when she turned around and signaled them I was like this is when the, like, police come out and take them off. I was, like, very confused about the whole Mrs. Keys situation and this commander and everything and, like, what was going on at this farm. But I thought the pacing of us, like, learning that information while we got to know Mrs. Keys a little bit better and got to know the trauma, know the trauma that she went through and then we realized that this guy has, like, Alzheimer's or something. Like, he doesn't really know what's going on. And so all these people are posing as... Martha's and um like guards or whatever and she's been poisoning him but yeah it does not last so in episode two I just really feel for Luke and 
Moira and Alexis Bledel, bitch. I love her so much and I love her character, Emily. And I just wish, I really hope that we get more of her in this season. I love her so much. And I love that all of them are like continuing the fight uh, for June uh, in Canada and like trying to place these children and they're all just doing such good work. And, um, and Rita, I'm also happy that she's out of Gilead, but it's weird too, because she is kind of still, she still says like, blessed evening and mm. it's like she is also kind of tainted you know she gets up in front of the group of people to talk about june and the the angels flight or whatever they're calling it and she gets really teared up and like talking about june and everything but then she's a little hesitant to um like assimilate back into normal society and that's just interesting to see and what ends up happening is moira asks rita to go to the foster kid's house or not that he's not a foster kid. He's reunited with his aunt and he misses Gilead and wants to go home. And Rita, Moira brings Rita to that house and has her like cook him dinner or something. And she's like, blessed evening. And the kid's like, blessed evening. And the kid won't eat like chicken nuggets and mac and cheese that his aunt is making him. And Rita makes him stuff from Gilead or whatever. So that'll just be interesting to see how they let go of Gilead. Mm -hmm. It's so weird how even things that like traumatized us are comforting in a way. Mm -hmm. And we still hold on to those things because it's hard to, as humans, we adapt to any environment that we're in. Here's the big reveal of episode two. I hope you're ready. And if you have not seen episode two, this is a really good time to hop off or skip ahead a little bit. Serena is pregnant. Rena? Who's Rena? Serena. Oh, T. So, Who's the dad? Fred. Ew. So. Wait, so he's not infertile? Right. So how It's like that? they're not infertile, but it's just like. It's the men's fault. Like, it's their swimmers just aren't I mean, great. why not? But yeah, so... Thank you, blame men. So basically, they haven't hooked up in a really long time because God says that you can only have sex to create a child. So Fred has just been... He definitely, like, gets with other women on the side. He goes to... Um, that the, club. That club, yeah. And Serena knows that because she's, like, being screened at a health check and whatever. They, yeah... Anyways, she knows and she talks about that. And anyways, her and Fred kind of have a little sit down and Serena is finally like, fuck this dude. I'm done with him. Like, I want to cut all ties. We're going to go to trial. We're going to take this guy down. Whatever. She's telling the Canada, Canada guy that. And he's just like, you're pregnant. And I just love that move. Right. That I... <sighs> Again, the writing with Serena's character in particular, like, let's give this bitch what she has wanted, always wanted, from day one, a biological mm -hmm. child with her husband, the second that she doesn't want it. Right when she wants <laughs> nothing to do with this man, now she is tethered to him for life. Whoever wrote that, whoever came up with that, you're one Genius. of the best. That is so good. I, I just really appreciate that. Isn't Serena, like, arrested, too? So yeah. she's in legal trouble. <laughs> Basically, so like doesn't Fred... she have charges from uh June and what's his name? 
Nick. Like, Serena turned him in, so then he was like, well, she's not cleaning this either. She forced this dude to have sex with her so that we could have a kid together. Like, so they're both just, like, bringing each other down. And she, like, was kind of doing a last attempt to get this man back that she knew before Gilead. And he's just like, you can't manipulate me anymore and you're a bitch and all this stuff. And so she's like, fuck him. And yeah, and now they will have to know each other forever, probably, because they have a child together. So y'all get what you deserve. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I hope you enjoy your child. (laughs) Moving on to the final episode, just some broad notes. Oh, this one. This one had me reeling, bitch. We have the character of Joseph. Sorry, that came out wrong. Joseph, the commander. So June was of Joseph. Is he the is he the one who helped uh, Alexis Bledel escape? Yeah, yeah. He's okay, the guy yeah. from Get Out. The dad from Get Out. Mm-hmm. Another like interesting, confusing character that I didn't really love in season three. He had a wife that was also mentally ill, just like everybody else. She is no longer with us. She mm-hmm. <laughs> succumbed to her mental illness. I don't know why I'm laughing at that, but... <laughs> I was gonna say, wait, didn't she overdose? Yeah, sorry. Um, anyways, <laughs> he's, again, just, like, a confusing character. He wants to help. He feels a lot of guilt about his involvement in Gilead and what he has done to create this horrible place. But he's also like, I can't do anything about it, and what's done is done, and I'm just gonna make my bed and lay in it and probably burn in hell for all the shit that I've done. He's just kind of giving up. And him and June sit down for a dinner and him and Nick also sit down for a drink. And I just appreciated both of those scenes in the third episode. I think both of them happened in the third episode or maybe him and Nick had a drink in the second one. I can't remember, but him and Nick have both basically abandoned all morals and given up because they're like, Gilead is a machine that cannot be stopped and it's a runaway train and we've tried our best, but Nick still wants June to be okay and he wants her to live because he she is the mother of his child. But yeah, he is in too deep and he's moving up in the ranks and it's like, he really can't do anything at this point. But also he could, you know, just like get on a bus, get on a truck, grab June and get the hell out of there. Grab as many handmaids as he can yeah. and go. It, they may be crossing over into the... Canada border look fairly simple with the commander or with what's his face with Fred and uh, Serena. Right. When they got tricked into going over the border. Yeah. They just kind of drove over there. And I feel like if a dude had an access to to a car, like what's stopping him from just loading up a bunch of people in it? I mean, obviously a lot of things. It's not that simple, but yeah, I know there's like checkpoints that they have to pass, but so June gets captured by Gilead again so she again yeah so she that club she goes to like poison all the men all the commanders there and that guard that that Mrs. Keys kills or whatever basically June just goes on this like heist to kill more commanders and then she comes back and she is apprehended by Nick and other Gilead people and he is like I want you to live so just come with me like don't worry the other handmaids that were at the farm thankfully have moved on to the next safe house and June is then taken to Gilead back with Aunt Lydia June is tortured and Mm. they're trying to get her to give up 
the whereabouts of the other handmaids. And she is like, fuck you, no, I'm ready to die for my girlies. And I was gonna say, she will literally die before she gives them up. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're waterboarding a bitch. They're about to yank her little fingernails off. Like, it's a bad time. They're putting her in a little box. She has to sleep in a little metal box. It's not good. But she still will not give them up because she's ride or die for the girls. But then they're like, this is a tough bitch to crack. But you know what? We're Gilead and she's just... Oh, no, her daughter. Well, first, they take her up to the roof. And there's two other handmaids from Gilead on the roof that they have standing on the ledge. And they're like, tell us where they are. And then one of them's like, don't tell them, June. Pushes her off. She's down. So then there's the other girl that hasn't said anything and she's just crying. And it's so heartbreaking. And June like walks up to her and grabs her hands. And they're like, where are the other handmaids, June? And she like, she's about to say it, but then they push the other girl off. And so it's like, fuck. Damn. Yeah. So they suck. She still doesn't (laughs) crack. And then, so this isn't Aunt Lydia doing this. Aunt Lydia is like wanting June to give them up and be like, come on. Like, because she wants to put them on the wall. No, no. She cares about them. Aunt Lydia does. What? She cares about them. Did she not say to all the commander people that she's like, I want them returned to me so I can put them on the wall? She, yeah, she said, but does she ever, see, this is where I feel like context would help me. I don't feel like I ever prefaced this in this episode, but people, if it sounds like I don't know what I'm talking about, that's because I don't. Um, I've only seen the first couple of episodes of season one and now this episode in season four. So yeah. So Lydia, I'm in the blanks. Lydia is a character I'll get into when we talk more about gray area in a second, but she is more just like along for the ride with this whole torturing situation. There's this dude like torture expert that they bring in to torture June and Lydia is just there being like, like, girl, come on, give them up. Like, I don't want you to die, basically. Or she's just kind of like, you stupid girl, blah, blah, blah. She's like there and she's listening to June be tortured anyways. So then they bring her back down and then she has the dinner with Joseph and they're like, and he's like, they will hurt Hannah unless you tell them the other handmaids are. And June is like, they wouldn't hurt a child. Children is all Gilead cares about. And he was Mm -hmm. like, no, all they care about is power. Like, you should know that by now. And I was like, damn, you right. Fuck Gilead. They spooky. They don't care about nobody. Anyways, so June does eventually give them up because it's oh. Hannah. So yeah, they were all just like holding So hands. all of the handmaids got caught too? Yeah, so they all just like, and they, they were all like on their knees hiding. But then one of them like stood up and they all just like grabbed hands and stood up and they were like ready. And so then they were all taken... So then we're back to Gilead, bitch. We were so close. So then June is like, just kill me now, Lydia. Like, put me out of my misery. I'm ready to go. And Lydia's like, you're too valuable to die. Like, you're handmaids. You're still going to be, like, doing your duty. And basically, they're going to be shipped off to a breeding colony where they will work during the days like how Alexis Bledel was in that tragic season when she was in the colonies in the radiation station, mm. which I'm like, that can't be good for the baby. And I don't know if that's the situation. Anyways, they're, they're going to be working, doing manual labor throughout the day. And then come fertility time when they're 
Lydia's like, when you're ripe, the commander and his wife will come to you and then they'll perform the ceremony with you there. Then they'll leave and you'll go back to work and then you'll get preggers. And yeah, so it's like a breeding colony. So they do the ceremony once. They do it like when they're fertile or whatever. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily like that. I think they do it a couple times. Well, I'm gross. I guess I don't need to know the logistics of that. But I'm just thinking, I'm like, if they, like, that does not, like, you come, do it once, and leave. Like, that doesn't seem like very high chance. So they really care about repopulating the earth and not just, like, oppressing women and, like, mm-hmm. scaring them. So then they're on this little truck and they're on their way to the breeding colony with Lydia. And Lydia's like, it's so nice that we're all together again. Because, like, Lydia, like, that's the other thing. She is mentally ill. Like, these girls are her family. And, like, kind of, she loves them. There is a train going by and they get stopped by the train. They have to wait for the train to pass. So the driver of the truck gets out to go potty. And they're all sitting there. All the handmaids are, like, looking at each other, like, like, should we do something? Let's get out this bitch. And you know something's about to happen. You know that they're like communicating with their eyeballs. June lunges at Aunt Lydia, grabs her little shocky stick, and is like, all the other handmaids get out of the car. And June is like pushing her down. And she like lifts it up and she's a, like, she's gonna kill Aunt Lydia. Like, she's ready to go. And Aunt Lydia's like, don't do it. And one of the handmaids is like, we can make, we can make it before the train, dummy. Come on, let's go. And so June is like, she's about to do it. But then she's like, no, okay. So they all start running and it's slow motion and it literally felt like a nightmare, like a bad dream because you know how in your bad dreams you're like running slow motion, you're trying to get away. You're like, come on, go faster. And Handmaid's Tale slow motion shots are just everything to me. They're so beautiful. And the way that they capture the facial expressions of people and like in that moment where they're all running and the train is coming, like so many different emotions like flooded over each of their faces, like hope and it was like exciting and we can do it and um they're all just like happy and running away and aunt lydia's like she runs out and she's like no come back whatever and the train's coming and the dude comes back from taking a piss and he shoots two of them they're down and i'm like (laughs) and they're running so then it's four left and they're running their hands are shackled together, so it's a little hard to run. Oh and they're in these big, flowy red robes, so it's like, yeah. Ah. And one of them's got an eye patch. Like, there, June was shot a couple weeks ago. Like I was going to wonder, like, is the one with the eye patch still around? She's <laughs> she one of them, those shots. It's June, Janine, so the one with the eye patch, Alma, and Brianna. They're all, the four of them are running, and they're scared, and they're looking behind them because the guy's, like, shooting at them. Janine and... June Cross and Alma and Brianna get hit by the train, bitch. <laughs> they get hit by the train. Oh my god. Whoa, wait, wait. So the train, so where are they? So I, okay, I'm trying to visualize this. So the the van is stopped because a train is going by. And so they're trying to, so if the train is going this way, they're running this way and trying to get in front. Like, how, how does that work? So the van is here. The train is going this way. Yes. They're running this way. And like the train okay. is about to come. So how did they stop for the train? Because it was far away still, but the guy was like, we can't cross yet. 
True. I think it was like, yeah, I guess it was like coming. Because I was thinking they were like blocked by the train. Like the train was going past them, like as they were yeah. stopped in the van. But if it was just coming, so then they saw their opening to get across right. before. But then why was the dude just sitting there before the train was right. in there? Because clearly if he had time to pee and they all escape and he shoots two of them, like he would have had time to cross the train tracks. Definitely. Maybe the barrier like came down. I don't know. But yeah, that's a okay, little bit of a Okay, but anyways, R to the I to the P. So fucking sad. And then obviously Janine is unwell. Probably. Yeah, and June is just I don't know if he, if this happened in season 1, but um Janine like had her baby that she had with a commander and she like was on a ledge about to jump off with both of them and June yes. talks her down. And I just feel like Ever since then, June is constantly talking Janine off the ledge in, like, every interaction that they have, basically. And there's no words. It's, like, silent and slow motion still. And it's the two of them. And they just saw their friends get run over by a goddamn freight train. And two of them shot. Janine is just obviously unwell. And you can just tell, like, June is like, we have to go. We have to go. Come on. And... Because when the train passes, that that dude's going after them. So it's Free like, rain. And that's how it ends. Damn. With the two of them running off. Double and homicide. Double oh. homicide. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> like, I felt a pit in my stomach when the two women were shot. And then when the last two were run over by the train. Like, I felt like I was going to vomit. That's just how connected mm-hmm. to these characters I feel and how much I love them. And what's so upsetting is that if June would have just ran with them, they probably could have made it and the one who told them who told her like we can make the train dummy like she's the one who got ran over by the train Mm -hmm. so if like that's why i feel like that's what this whole season is going to be about june battling her need and want to get revenge on these people that have wronged her and her friends and how that like conflicts with her motivation to escape Gilead because that has already like inhibited her from escaping you know if that was us running I would be the one to get hit by the train (laughs) I'm the slowest runner ever I would have not a chance in hell but now that what you said you said what you said it's like yeah why did they stop really doesn't make much sense and well, why I'm did you watch it and see? I guess they just assumed that like the handmaids are submissive, but they're not anymore. Like they are revolutionaries. And I also just wanted to note that Elizabeth Moss directed the third episode. It is her directorial debut. And Go I think her. she fucking killed it. I just want to say, Elizabeth Moss, if you're listening, which I know you're not, but think you're a little bit strange. But girl, you fucking killed it. You killed it. I got some questions. I, I got too. some questions for you about Scientology. That's what I find so interesting is that she plays this character on the show and Scientology is not Gilead, but also I like can't help but like draw certain parallels and I'm just like I don't understand it this is literally a cult and your show I don't know we're not getting into Scientology certain (laughs) like facial expressions that she makes too and just like the like calculated sadistic stuff that you can see like running across her face it's just a little bit like hmm I wouldn't be surprised if you were a serial killer on the side yeah so the last thing I just kind of want to talk about is 
the gray area with all of these characters that we're seeing. And I feel like that is a theme that this season is really going to explore, which I love and I'm super excited about. Aunt Lydia, obviously another person that on the surface is like, evil. She's done horrible things. She literally took Janine's eyeball out of her head. When we see her on trial in episode two and the commander calls the handmaids whores and she turns around and she kind of defends them and is like, they're just misled. Um, was that in episode two or episode one? That was in episode one. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Episode one. And then when she hears June being tortured, she struggles with that. And she like is embroidering stuff while she's hearing June scream. And she's like trying to, you know, she, you can tell in her face that she's struggling. The actress who plays her is doing an amazing job showing this like conflicted compassion that she's feeling because in in the past couple seasons too, you can just tell the love that she has for these girls and I was watching a interview with Elizabeth Moss and she said like June loves Aunt Lydia too like they do have a love connection but Gilead doesn't have room for that kind of love relationship Aunt Lydia does feel like a sense of ownership over these girls and like they are a reflection of her ability to like spread the word of God I guess or like influence and do God's work and so she feels like a sense of ownership over them, but also like a sense of love and compassion. And she's like their caretaker. Janine is kind of like her girl, you know, that she mm -hmm. manipulates. And Janine kind of loves Aunt Lydia too a little bit and wants to please her. And June in episode three is like, she was so quick to turn on you in a second. She turned on you. And you can see in Lydia's face like that that hurts her you know and when she says in episode three like I'm so happy we're all together again and how Janine is able to turn on her like that you can tell it it, it does affect her mm -hmm. she is human at the end of the day capable of having these relationships with other human beings and I just really appreciate that about this show that at the end of the day it's not it, there is a lot of evil in these people but mm -hmm. they're people at the end of the day and then same with like the delusion and actual sadness that the commander and Serena are feeling again kind of like I touched on before and how the kids miss Gilead and the ethics of June's decision yeah. to separate them from obviously like it's better to get them out of Gilead because Gilead is such an awful place but also you are taking these kids away and traumatizing them further taking them away from parents who did love them, you know, and treat them well. I'm not saying yeah. <laughs> it's a bad thing that what June did, but it's, again, just gray area. It's hard. It's more complicated than the surface level of things. Um, and I really appreciate that about the show. And another thing about this season that I'm looking forward to, but also it's, like, uncomfortable for me, is seeing June be so sadistic and wanting revenge and inflict to inflict pain on the commanders and the people of Gilead that have wronged her and her friends. It's uncomfortable to see her doing things and kind of acting the way that the bad guys of this show have acted in the past. And it's like justified, obviously, that she wants revenge. And when she lets Mrs. Keys kill that commander that raped her, it's obviously like, yeah, but also like, She's a teenager, June, and yeah, um, I'm not really sure. And just seeing the kind of the craziness in her eyes when she has the opportunity to kill Aunt Lydia, it's like it's uncomfortable to see your hero act that way. And like I kind of mentioned, June is definitely not the same person that she was at the beginning of this. Um, and I think just Gilead makes it nearly impossible to be a good person 
with maintained morals and it it has changed people mentally. June is struggling with that this season. It's kind of been like a intensifying situation. And now, especially because the most recent interaction with Hannah and Hannah being afraid of her, I think it's going to be harder for June to hang on to that motivation of getting Hannah out. And I think mm-hmm. she just really wants to see these people that have hurt her and killed so many people and wronged so many people. I think she wants to see them hurt. At what point does that outweigh her desire to be free from Gilead and to save Hannah and rescue Hannah. So that's really all I have to say. And I've seen promos for the rest of the season. It does look like June gets out and is speaking to a group of people. And so I'm interested to see what goes on with that what happens when she sees these children wanting to go back to Gilead um, that she worked so hard to save and how that affects her um, her mental space with Hannah and her you know mentality in that situation I'm just very excited to see where the season goes I also wanted to say that Margaret Atwood is an executive producer on the show and I was gonna ask you that well I was wondering your thoughts since you're a book person you know, I think this show is definitely reaching beyond the subject nature of the book and kind of embellishing a little bit. I don't know because I haven't read the book. So I guess I'm just interested if you have any thoughts on that. I haven't read the book either. Actually, I was thinking that when I was considering my options for book club, actually, I was thinking about doing that one. But I've heard that like the book is not. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously like the TV show, but it's not. But going beyond the book material, I think when you're in a show like this and it's going on for seasons and seasons, you obviously need to bring in other material unless if the author is obviously writing like a book series where then it can follow that pattern. Mm-hmm. And I think that no one knows the world better than the author. So the fact that she can be involved, even just as a sounding board for ideas, some say in anything, I will always appreciate author's input in that. As we talked about last week with Shadow and Bone, Lee Bardugo was a an executive producer. And I think you could tell with how well it was done and how closely the characters reflected the books and how the vibe of the whole show just felt very similar even with like the crows for example where that storyline was not included in the books it felt very true to those characters and the essence of the book and i do think that that has to do with lee being involved Mm -hmm. and having that input into the world i think that's cool that margaret atwood is involved even if this isn't directly coming off of her novel anymore right like even leanne moriarty for big little eyes so season one followed the book to a t but obviously when they did season two they were like we don't have any more material from her and they asked the author like can you write us a novella so that way we can kind of like go off of what you would envision and she did exactly that and i appreciate that right i like that they did that because they definitely didn't have to but I just will always have an appreciation when Hollywood asks for authors input in their own worlds and stories so this season's going how many episodes is this season gonna be do you know I don't know for sure how many does it have like how many seasons it's gonna go through like is could this be coming up on the final season soon or I hate to say this but I hope so I think unfortunately with a show like this you know to have them 
continue. It's like there's only so much space and at some point we need something to happen. And I think Mm -hmm. there may be a war or something. And I wouldn't be surprised if they make an entire season out of that. Potentially season five will just be this war between Gilead and Canada. But I also don't know how much to believe that because nuclear weapons kind of make war between developed nations a little bit tricky so I don't know yeah we'll see what happens but yeah I'm, I'm hoping that this is kind of the resolution in the end um which is hard to say but it's just I don't like seeing sh- really really good shows go on for too long you want them to go out on top and it's very very rare that they do yeah. shows always overstay their welcome <laughs> they really do and I think stories are so long and I appreciate the television format of things because it offers bigger space to tell a more complete story, especially with characters, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. You can really get to know characters more in depth than you would in a movie, just going back to, you know, what I was saying about the Oscar films this year versus this show. I feel like they're um, my friend. Like, I know these people. And you don't always get that with just a one-off movie, maybe with, like, a franchise, but it's a delicate balance. It's a very delicate balance. Like The Walking Dead, for example. Still going on. I used to be a diehard fan of that show, and I have not watched in years because I just didn't believe it anymore. You know, at some Mm -hmm. point, it's like... What's... You get that it's fiction, but it's like, come on. It's hard to put words into so it, but like the fact that Shit's Creek ended and people were upset about that and like, you know, it felt like it was just getting really popular and then it ended and it's like, yeah, but how long is this going to continue? You know, like they're kind of having success in their lives. Like you really think that they're going to stay in this town for forever? Like mm-hmm. they didn't want to stay in this town forever. They have to change and evolve because that's what humans do you know they don't yeah tv is all about a situation and a character within that situation and situations do not last forever and if they did you know like if june stayed in gilead forever and that's just what the reality we're supposed to accept then why are we even watching Mm -hmm. if the zombie apocalypse is just going to be going on forever and everybody's going to die why am i still watching because that's depressing if Every fucking doctor that steps foot into Seattle Gray's hospital is going to go down in a plane crash or get shot up by a fucking shooter. Why am I watching? Why am I getting attached to all these characters? And the show Let Dead People Die. <laughs> Let dead shows die. What I'm saying. Too many shows have overstayed their welcome. And I think that's why I have a problem with TV or watching shows that are incomplete. Because it's just like, I I don't want to just get dragged on this ride for years on end. And it's upsetting. You know, I don't want to see these characters dragged out like that. I want them to get the resolution that they, that I feel like they deserve. It's hard for me to say because TV audiences are, it's so hard because again, that feeling of like knowing these characters and being comfortable, you know, when you have that show, you just never want to end because it's so good. And it's hard starting new shows because you have fallen in love with other ones. And it's like for TV writers to really find that balance. Um, But I would much prefer something to end right when it's like getting going then for it to be dragged out and to see these characters like taken in a direction that they didn't need to be taken I guess like I feel actually like Game of Thrones I think about that and that is a show that I feel like you know did a good I mean the ending's questionable obviously a lot of people don't like it but I feel like lengthwise 
they ended it at the perfect time because really yeah. what else were we going to keep doing? Yeah. Like, and they probably would have been introducing new characters that we don't care about as much. Like that's ultimately what yeah. is going to happen because actors move on certain characters, you know, story, you can't do much more with their story. You've beaten it to death. Like Rick on the walking dead, you know, how much more can that man go through? And same with like all the characters on Grey's Anatomy. Like there's not much more for their character to go through. And then you get, a situation like the Alex Karev thing where his character ended horribly. They just annihilated seasons upon seasons of character development. That so, show is just it should have ended at season 8. In my well, mind it should it have did. ended at season 10. <laughs> in my yeah. mind it ended when Christina walked out the door. Long story short, I'm hoping that this is nearing the end, but I, that makes me sad, but I'm just going to appreciate the Handmaid's Tale while it lasts, and I'm very happy with these first three episodes of this season. I was nervous that the show was going downhill, but from what I see in these first three episodes, I'm very hopeful and optimistic. Yay! We're not going to be covering the next upcoming episodes. We just wanted to cover the initial release. However, I will probably be watching every... I will for sure be watching every week and probably mentioning it in our pre-show so if you do not typically watch our pre-show on youtube do it if you are in the mood for some handmaids content what right. are we covering next week ladies Lizzie and McGuire. oh my god we are redeeming ourselves with our drunk disney episode we're going to be covering the lizzie mcguire movie so exciting very excited and y'all you know the spiel if you haven't already and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure that you subscribe and download our episodes every single week and leave us a five-star rating and review. And if you're listening on Spotify, make sure that you follow us and download our episodes. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe, hit the notification bell, like, leave us a comment. And any other platforms that you're listening on, make sure you just follow, download, like, whatever you gotta do. It helps us out a lot. Follow us on TikTok also at Popcorn Chats Pod. And all of Katie and I's other information is in the bio. We will see you next week. Stay safe. Stay well. Stay well. Under his eye. Lilas. <laughs> <laughs>